Hour of Devastation, a weekly Magic the Gathering podcast. I'm your host, Ed Joe Loudon, and with me as always is Sam Neal. Hello. So Sam, let's get into it. How are you doing? I'm not too bad, thank you. How's your weekend been? Yeah, it's been pretty good. Did a pauper tournament yesterday and really enjoyed that. It was nice and fun. The first time I've actually played paper pauper before, Sweet. so it was fun. Yeah. Came third, which I'm fairly happy with, and I guess we'll I'll talk a bit more about that later. Mm-hmm. Aside from that, I've just been jamming a lot of Legacy Cube, like <laughs> cubes online. That's where you'll find me. It, yeah, it's, it seems like like every couple of hours you'll just send me what you've drafted in the Legacy Cube. Yeah, I'm pretty much just back to back in them. Like I haven't gone three nil yet, but everyone's been two one. Sweet. Yeah, well, maybe we'll get there. I've got another couple more days. Yeah, I mean, I I still haven't drafted it even once because oh, I just haven't had time. You need to you need to do that. I feel like I'm missing out. I really feel like I'm missing out. <laughs> We've got a lot to talk about. Yeah, we do. So I thought this week we could give a bit more of an introduction to ourselves, which mm-hmm. I realised after recording last week's episode, we didn't really do. <laughs> <laughs> kind of just talked about some things, some hot topics of the moment. So I think, you know, now obviously you know we know a lot about the game. Let's sort of introduce our listeners, if there are any. Apparently a couple of people enjoyed it, which is cool. Uh, we're yeah. going to introduce ourselves properly this week, I think. Mm-hmm. So let's start then. Sam, uh, how did you first get into Magic the Gathering? So, when I was younger, I used to play, um, well I say play, I used to own Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon cards. Yeah. Which I think everyone who was born in the 90s did at yeah, some point. Yeah, absolutely. And then I sort of stopped doing that because I got into like video games and stuff like that. And then it was in my second year of uni, so that was 2013? Yeah. I was walking through uh, Waterstones in Bath, yeah. and I saw that they had a section of trading cards, and I saw Magic, and was like, oh, I used to really like collecting cards and just, you know, having cards, going through them, sorting them, and stuff like that. Maybe I should get into something else. Yeah. Maybe I should get back to it, because I really enjoyed it with Yu-Gi-Oh! Pokemon cards. Yeah, sure. So, sort of on a whim, I bought an M14 deck builder's toolkit. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, that was the first thing of Magic I ever bought. It was like £15, I think. Yeah, this is all sounding very familiar. Uh, I pretty much had exactly the same purchase, my first purchase there. Yeah, man, I was just like, this looks really cool, I'm going to go buy this. And one of my housemates at the time had played Magic, like, during Kamigawa or something. Yeah. And we played a lot of board games, so he said, oh yeah, if you if you get to Magic, we can, we can play some games. I thought, sweet. So I sat in my bedroom, opening this, I can't remember what, what bo- do you remember what boosters were in an M14 deck that was still good? Not precisely. I, I know I definitely got a... There was a Corset booster in there. There was yep. a Return to Ravnica booster in there. Mm-hmm. I think it might have been just Gate Crash and Dragon's Maze as well. Okay, that, yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. So, yeah, so I sat in my bedroom. I, I opened it all up. I honestly do not remember what I opened. I think I probably got a Sengir Vampire, which I thought was really cool. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I remember getting very excited about Shaven Dragon. Oh, I did. <laughs> so sweet. Um... <laughs> So I opened that and then literally spent like two, three hours just reading through the little rules pamphlet that came with it. Yeah, yeah. Like trying to work it all out. I was watching some videos on YouTube, you know, watching videos on how to sort out your cards when you just started playing Magic. Yeah. When I build a deck. And I think I put together a green, just a green deck. Yeah. With big creatures. And then I put like a black, blue, and blue deck together. Okay. Because I thought that was really, really fun. Yeah. So I played that. I just jammed loads of games with my housemate at the time. We had like just loads of old cards, so it was like standard legal cards at the time. Yeah. Versus Kamigawa cards and stuff like that. Yeah. Because it was just like an extension of playing board games, which was really, really fun. I started wanting to go to F and M. My first F and M, I played Bob Brew Witch, 
bubbling cauldron festering you. Ah, oh, nice. That good old combo. It was sweet. It turns out it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought I'd like cracked it, like, oh man, why is one playing all these cards together? Yeah. And then I got stomped by like actual good cards. Oh, like Sphinx's um, Rev and all yeah, that like, stuff. <laughs> magic cards. Yeah. I started going to FNM pretty regularly. Um, in Bath, it's held in the Waterstones. Cool. And they, I don't know if they still do it, but they used to put it into new, like, newbies and people that knew what they were doing. Yeah. So I was losing the new pod, and then eventually I just I just kept playing and kept playing. There was, at the time, quite a good magic scene in Bath, and I just got sucked into it because everyone I was playing with was good at yeah. what they were doing. Um, I very quickly got very involved in EDH. Okay. Because outside, like, you know, a student budget, I couldn't really afford. Yeah, sure. It's the standard. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, obviously, it's a lot easier and cheaper to buy one copy of a card than it is, like, four. Yeah, absolutely. So I built a Trostani Selesnia's voice. Nice, EDH, yeah. And that's, I think that sort of stuck with me because Selesnia is still my favourite colour combination. Okay, cool. Because it is the best. Uh, <laughs> um, debatable. Selesnia <laughs> Forevnia. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I just I played loads and loads of EDH. We meet up on a Sunday, um, play in the cafe at Waterstones in Bath, where loads of normal people walking around wondering what the hell we were doing. <laughs> and then I got into modern. I just thought I want to play some proper like competitive magic. I want to play one on one and win some things, and you know stop playing less fun magic. Just yeah. you know just fun. I want to get into it properly because that's just what I wanted to do. Yeah, for sure. Like it, it's a really fun game. At a sort of like face value level, like I, I fully believe that it is. You know, it's the greatest game ever created. It's like hands down. It has so many different sort of enjoyable elements about it. It's, yeah. you know, it's great fun. Just as like that face value, brand new player level. But once you really start of start to get into it, you can see all of the different components, and it really, I think, really changes your sort of worldview. I guess really, like I found myself. Absolutely. Um, as far as like critical thinking and decision making and analysis goes, I think Magic the Gathering has quite a lot to answer for for that. Definitely, like it's just it's something that kind of kept me intellectually stimulated. Yeah, for sure. Because I like I, I used to play a lot of video games, but I never really cared that much. Yeah. Like I never really bothered to get like keep up with the latest games and stuff. Like I, I played them, but I wasn't that bothered. Yeah. Whereas Magic was something that I don't know, it just sort of stuck its claws in. Yeah, for sure. And it just, I, I just kept playing and I wanted to get more competitive, so I built uh, Modern Merfolk. Okay. <laughs> spent a lot of money at the time. Well, it was a lot of money for me at the time, yeah. for Wilds. Yeah, sure. Played that deck. It was really, really bad <laughs> at that time, because <laughs> this was like pre-Birthing Pod ban. Okay, yeah. Just pre-Kans of Tarkir, so just before Treasure Cruise and Dicky Time and all yeah. that. Nonsense. So I built that, and then I got bored with that and started playing Elves. Yeah. Because uh, I like green. <laughs> and now... I can't remember the last time I went to a constructed tournament where I didn't register green cards in my deck. <laughs> yeah, sure. <yeah. laughs> and then I moved back to Birmingham, which is where I'm from and where I currently live. Yeah. And I try and play as much magic as I possibly can. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I think that's something that a lot, a lot of people who do take the game very seriously and you know how the competitive players will try to play as much as possible. Um, I know mm-hmm. I, I yeah, don't have a lot of time to sort of attend every event I would like to at the moment, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I definitely try to jam a game, even if it's just like you know goldfish in my legacy deck. Like absolutely, like I try because because I, I unfortunately I work six days a week. Yeah. So I don't have a lot of like I can't normally get to GPs. I normally end up just going on the Sunday because I work on Saturdays. Yeah. But I just try and play as much as much magic as I can. I try and um, grind some standard leagues on Magic Online. Yeah. And I'm just I mean I'm constantly like <laughs> I'm just voraciously consuming content. The entire <laughs> yeah, like, absolutely. Podcasts all the time, reading articles all the time. Just because I, I love the game. Yeah, sure. But yeah, that's a very, very brief history of 
my magic playing. I mean, I haven't played that long. Yeah. Um, I think people, because I'm so, because I played Legacy for a bit, I have like four EDH decks, most of which are nearly all foiled. Yeah. I have three modern decks. I have some expensive people who expect, expect me to play for like, I've played for like a long time. Yeah, I think I find sort of myself in a bit of a similar situation as well. Um, so pretty much exactly the same. My history of magic goes. I think it it starts quite a bit earlier than yours. So the very first thing I ever got was uh, one Christmas one year. Well, I guess it was Christmas nineteen ninety nine. It must have been. I got the um, uh, Magic the Gathering started gift box that Sweet. came with uh, a videotape. <laughs> showed you how to play the game with like. Just, some, just like the weirdest, weirdest video, like instructional video ever. Like it, it was the most nineties thing you'll ever see. Um, if I can find it on like YouTube or somewhere, I'll, I'll stick it up in a link on the uh, the comments of this this blog. It's they're always so bad. I don't know if they like, just can't find good actors to do it, but they're always so poor. I oh, like poor is is the word I think. <laughs> So yeah, it came with like um, an instructional video, and then you got um, in a separate box, you got a, a big box labelled "Start a Game," and that came with two decks: um, player A and player B. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got some like sort of like glass tokens, like little glass beads as well. Because I'm fairly certain that it was either in the rule book or something that we'd sort of just made up ourselves. Those like little little tokens that what you did when you tapped mana, you you didn't move the card at all. You just you put a token on the card. Oh, really? So rather than physically tapping the card, we used to put a little glass token on the card to say, oh, we've used this mana. That it was tapped? That it was tapped, <laughs> okay. yeah. It was, yeah. That's yeah. really strange. It is really strange. I, I don't remember whether it was something that was mentioned in the rules anywhere, or maybe it was in the weird instructional video, or, you know, <laughs> I was like eight or nine or something. Like, you know, <laughs> kids, kids do kids things. Um, okay, cool. So yeah, that that was the, the very first thing I got. Like it was great. I had lots of fun, and then <coughs> then uh, Pokemon happened, mm-hmm. and you know who who wanted to play Magic anymore? Like hey, Pokemon. Every everybody everybody had Pokemon. Yeah. Uh, I think I might have played about four games of Pokemon. Like four games of the actual TCG. I think that's more than I actually played. Yeah, like. Just by owning hundreds of cards. Yeah, exactly. Like we'd you know we'd buy packs and we'd we'd trade them and yeah, but nobody actually played the game. No. Which I think was just something that even back then sort of quite frustrated me because I I really enjoyed playing games and mm-hmm. I always wanted to play the game but kind of nobody ever did. So yeah, it was Pokemon for a while and then Yu-Gi-Oh was the big thing after that. So I jumped into that and mm-hmm. played that for for a bit. Um, never really did any any sort of like competitive level play. Never played in any stores or anything. It was you know kids like you'd have your deck in your in your bag. You'd go out on your bike. You'd go go for a ride somewhere, you play a game, you know, just kids being kids, doing fun things with cards. Yeah, I remember doing that a yeah. lot. So I think I'd play Yu-Gi-Oh for a couple of years. Uh, I think it was around when, like, the six samurai cards came out. That's when I stopped playing. Um, I have no idea what that means. Yeah. <laughs> I did vague, vague memories of, like, building a deck where you had, like, there was these six samurai and you could get one of each samurai and they all did different things. And I thought, hey, that's really cool. Let's do something with that. And, yeah, I can't even okay. remember what that was. So it kind of shows you how invested I am in Yu-Gi-Oh now. <laughs> and then after that, like, that was it as far as, like, my card games were, were concerned. Like, we were all sort of, like, you know, weren't really kids anymore. We were all 17, 18. And I think 
magic was something that I was still I was still very aware of because um, you do see it you know you see it pop up in media it's in films it's in TV shows even yeah. if it's just like a poster in the background of someone's bedroom or you know uh, I was a big fan of of the OC when I was a teen and uh, obviously oh, Seth okay. yeah <laughs> Seth Cohen dropping those Magic the Gathering references everywhere. So, oh, okay, maybe I should get back into the OC if it references. Oh, like, dude, like, yeah, the OC, like the first two seasons of the OC, like, I'm a complete sucker for those. Oh man, it's like my my partner Ali like really loves the OC. Yeah, and she keeps getting me to try and watch it, and uh, I just I just refuse because I've I've watched a few episodes and I just think it's bad. But I might give it a go. Maybe it, your recommendations. Like, are it's absolutely horrendous, but like, <laughs> okay. I'd say it it is it's it's probably responsible for me still being aware of Magic the Gathering in my teens. And wow. also me finding the band The Get Up Kids, so, you know. That's oh, sweet, okay, it's a yeah. very important show then. Yeah, that, probably. Very strange. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we I'd, I didn't play games for sort of quite a while, um, but it was it was something that was there, and as the years went on, I, mean, I thought about it more, and you know, I was like, hey, I, I really want to want to try this and get into it. We, we, a few of us played D&D at the time, and we were playing other tabletop games and having a lot of fun doing that, but nobody that I was playing with really sort of cared about magic or they had played previously and you know they weren't interested anymore and so I guess nothing happened for a few years and then uh, I went to visit a couple of friends who live in Toronto and they're all like massively into it and while I was over there um, they pretty much like you know right you're, you're gonna play magic we're gonna teach you let's take you to a store get you some cards so I think it was it was the hairy tarantula in uh, Toronto I'm not sure if the store's still there but shout out Harry T if you are it's <laughs> um, where I made my first purchase, which was again the uh, 2014 Deck Builders Toolkit. Sweet. Yeah, I remember opening that and going through that, and just, like Shaven Dragon was the one, like completely blew my mind. Like, <laughs> it's a big red creature, and you can pump it and make it bigger. Like, this what? Sweet. Like this is this is great. Like absolutely fantastic. So, because you always hear people talking about, you know, when when Magic first came out, like during Alpha and Beta. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Shivan Dragon being like the best card. Yeah, um, totally. Like, oh, Shivan Dragon. But yeah, I was. Ex- surely by like by 2014, when we're opening these cards, surely Shivan Dragon shouldn't be impressive in those situations. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, yeah, when they've printed like Emrakul Leon's Torn and <laughs> yeah. <you> know, like <laughs> Grizzlebrand. But no, yeah, yeah, I, yeah Shivan Dragon. I thought that was amazing. And then Sweet. looking through the rest of the, you know, it was like, oh, lightning strike, this is cool, shock, oh, okay, I'm, you know, I'm a red mage, like that's definitely, definitely gonna be my thing, mm-hmm. and obviously Return of Ravnica was in stand at the time, and uh, I think it's sort of heralded by most people who've played the game for quite a long time that that was the, the last sort of really good era of standard that we had. So, that, so what else could have been Ravnica at the time? Uh, so I think it was. I think Innistrad block sure. was still legal when I sort of when I just was first getting into it. So it was, okay. I think that rotated out when Theros was released, like not long after that. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody who I was playing with, learning to play with, they all had these you know sweet like multicolored decks, and I was learning about like the like the the Guild of Ravnica, and thought, okay, this is really cool. I instantly identified as a member of the Rakdos Guild, definitely like. Man. Yeah, I was like, oh, Rakdos Kakla, like a one mana one one, but actually it's a one mana two two. Like, yeah, <laughs> like I'm paying one mana. Yeah, like great. Uh, Rakdos Shred Freak, Freak as well. That was featured heavily in my deck, and then soon figured out, oh, you can stick like Madcap skills on a Kakla and swing for like five on turn two. Like, yeah, that's pretty good. That's yeah, pretty again, good. I was like, it was a sweet. Like, I've broken magic. Like. <laughs> I'm gonna kill you on turn three, like yeah, awesome. <laughs> yeah, after after that, since I, I was living in Brighton at the time, so 
I went to an F and M there. It was so it wasn't at a store. It was in like it was like a library or like council building or something in like a like small sort of conference room there. Okay. I can't remember how I found out about the event. I can't even really remember where it was. I think I must have I must have found it on like a Facebook page or something. And like I didn't have a clue. Like I didn't know what was the event reporter was. What was event locator was. Uh, didn't really know that people played Magic in stores, like despite there being adverts for FMs and cards and going yeah. and purchasing cards at a store. Uh, so yeah, I managed to find this this group that did FMs and went down to my very first one of this this deck that I thought was completely untouchable, completely unbeatable. Uh, <laughs> so obviously this was, I say, not long after Theros had been out. I think like Innistrad definitely was no longer in standard at that point, which I very quickly found out. Uh, to sit down for round one and I'm casting like lightning bolts, I'm casting hell riders, I'm <laughs> <laughs> doing all sorts of silly things because I didn't, you know, I didn't know formats were a thing, I, I didn't yeah. really I didn't really know where to go to sort of learn the information, like learn about formats learn about events, what cards you know, didn't really know anything to be honest, so yeah, I rock up and half of my deck is either cards that I've just rotated out of standard or cards that haven't been legal for a very long time <laughs> such as all of my basic lands. So I'm playing half of my basic lands are mountains, the other half are swamps, except they are snow-covered mountains and snow-covered swamps. <laughs> yeah, you can't do that. No, you can't. Uh, I didn't realise that at the time, and I also sort of didn't understand why I couldn't do that at the time, because they said basic lands on them, and it was all very <laughs> confusing, but the, the judge... I. I have no idea who the judge was now, but uh, yeah, the, the judge sort of explained about legal, you know, legality of cards and formats and sort of showed me the error of my ways, I guess, and uh, swiftly replaced most of my deck with cheap standard legal commons. <laughs> <laughs> but I still did, I did go, um, I went 1-2 at that event because I managed to steal two games using Rakdos Charm against somebody playing Celestia Tokens. Was that before or after you took the lightning bolt to have your deck? This was after. This was, yeah, somehow. <laughs> I think it was like the third round. Like, Okay. Uh, and then from there, I guess, um, I'd moved back up to, up to Newcastle sort of a, a few months after that. And uh, I had, had a, a couple of friends who had started playing again back here and went down to Traveling Man, sort of our local store there, um, and played an event there. And then... About two months later, I ended up getting a job at Traveling Man. I did Sweet. my first pre-release, which was Cons of Tarka, and mm-hmm. I mean that was it really. Like that's when it really took hold, <coughs> and I haven't stopped since. Sweet. So yeah, I think definitely haven't been playing as long as a lot of people. To be honest, most I say most Magic players I know have been playing the game for quite a lot longer than myself. Yeah, but I think yeah, I think because I consume so much content and yeah. I do play a lot of formats now, and it, it is something that I am. You know, heavily invested in with both my time and money. That mm-hmm. newer players, especially, think, "Oh, yeah, yeah, you must have been playing for years." But no, nope, yep. I'm just, just, yeah, just an addict. I think. <laughs> I'm just absolutely obsessed. Yeah, completely, completely. Yeah, sweet. Yeah. So, shall we do our cracker pack for this week? Uh, I believe you've got one. Yeah, I have. I have a Rivals Big Slam pack. Oh, cool. So that is that... definitely something a bit more uh, recent than Hour of Devastation. Yeah, we had I had some people last week. I mean, why did you do our devastation? That's not a relevant draft set. It's like that's what the podcast called. Yeah, it's it's relevant in some way. Plus, it was <laughs> a really good draft set as well. Like you know, I'm yeah. I'm quite vocal about not being a particular fan of Ixlan and even Rivals of Ixlan limited format. But our yeah, devastation was, was great. 
Yeah, I uh, I won this. I won this booster. Awesome. I tried it, Evan. Oh, congratulations! Thanks. I went two two. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I got an Arrow Devastation pack because I thought that's relevant, and I opened that immediately. Was it a Doom. masterpiece Scarab God? No. Do you know what the card oh. Imminent Doom does? Uh, Imminent Doom. That yeah, is. <laughs> no, that is not a card I'm familiar with. Yeah, that's the rare I opened, uh. so I, I just sort of left the pack there. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to open this one now, and it's going to redeem everything because everything's going to be sweet in this pack. Cool. So, Imminent, who, Imminent Doom is that? It's that red card that I always think is Hour of Devastation. Yeah, it's like two. Uh, Two and a red? Yeah. You put a Doom counter on it and then something happens. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever seen anybody cast it. Um, it's got a sweet picture of Bolas on it. Yeah, it does. That's why I keep thinking it's out of a devastation. Like, oh, I makes sense. Yeah, like I remember opening one. I opened one in my pre-release deck and got dead excited and then read the card. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually bad, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that wasn't great. Sweet. So, I'm not sure if my mic's good enough to pick up the sound of this crack, but I can go for it. Did any of that come through? Maybe, yeah. Uh, yeah. Even if it's quiet, I'll just crank it up in post. Sweet. Cool. So, first card is Recover. Recover. And what does Recover do? Two and a black for a sorcery. Return yeah. type creature from your graveyard to your hand. Draw a card. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's I probably playable, but I'm never going to first pick it. I actually think this card is... Yeah, I'm not I'm not first picking it. Yeah. Um, but it is really, really good. Well, not really, really good, but I often, if I'm in black, have one in my deck. Yeah. Because it's really good if you have a bomb, if you have like a rather stupid card room. Yeah, sure. Um, just getting that back and it draws a card. Yeah, that is a pretty good bomb to have as well, that rather stupid card <laughs> Yeah, hopefully that's in this pack. Yeah. Next one, Araska for a back. Three uh, mana Yeah. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Again, like, I'm, I'm not going to first pick it. Nope, but it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I've played it. I've definitely played it. Yeah. Uh, Stampeding Horncrest is the next one. Cool. And what does that do? Uh, four and a red for a four-four. It has haste as long as you control another dinosaur. Okay. Uh, I don't think this is particularly playable. Five uh, mana four-four isn't good enough, and you're rarely building dedicated dinosaur decks in this format. Yeah, like if if you get it on the wheel and pack two after you've got some dinosaurs, then yeah, maybe. Sure. But yeah, never first pick it. Yeah, I'm not happy with that. Next one is Dead Eye Rig Hauler, which is slightly more interesting. Okay, and what does that do? Three and a blue for a human pirate. Yeah. It's 3-2, and it has Raid. When it enters the battlefield, if you attack with a creature this turn, you may return target creature to its owner's hand. Okay, that's definitely more interesting. Yeah, so there's some sweet tempo plays you can do with this card. I quite like it if you're in, in sort of an aggressive deck, Yeah. and you just set your opponent back. Yeah, out of what we've got so far, I think it's it's the pick. I'd be happy playing it in a Pirates deck, definitely. Absolutely. I wouldn't be thrilled about first picking it, but it's the best yeah, of the bunch yeah. so far. I play it. Yeah, I do quite like the, uh, the flavour text on it as well. <laughs> up you go you soggy rat and there's a, a picture of a pirate uh, who's hoisting up uh, hauling someone up a rig yeah hauling somebody up a rig I think you know, <laughs> it's great okay okay that's just that's blown out of the water the next card's Luminous Bonds okay sure yeah <laughs> slamming it two and a white for an enchantment aura enchanting creature enchanting creature can't attack or block yeah yeah absolutely yep. fine first pick I'd first pick it great removal spell yeah like, this week that's the pick so far yep uh, Dusk Charger, three and a black for a three-three. Yeah. It has Ascend, which is if you control ten or more permits, you get the city's blessing for the rest of the game, yeah. and it gets plus two plus two if you have the city's blessing, so it becomes a five-five. Okay. I first thought this card was terrible. Yeah, I think I did as well. Like Ascend was a mechanic that didn't really it didn't sit right with me at first. Like I couldn't. To be honest, initially I really couldn't get my head around it. It was like so. 
a lot of the things we've seen as far as new mechanics go in standard, like they're always like activated abilities or triggered abilities, and yeah, uh, yeah. Initially, I couldn't. It just didn't feel right. The like the whole like ascend just happens. Like yeah, you just you get rewarded for just playing the game, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But this card, I think, is it's not great, but it's okay. I'm obviously not first perspecting it, but yeah, I've no. played the card. Um, it's fine as a one or two of. If you just need to finish it, like a four mana five five in the late game, it's pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, again, it's still the still the luminous bonds over that though. Absolutely. Uh, next card is Raska Relic. Okay. It's three generic for an artifact with a send. Tap it to add a colorless, and tap it and sacrifice it, and gain three life and draw a card. Uh, activate it only if you have a city's blessing. Yeah, uh, I'm not first picking that ever. No. Like, I might play it as a one of in a sealed deck, maybe, but sure, wait, yeah, because it's slow. Yeah, it's it's not as good as Luminous Bonds. No, no idea. And neither is Brazen Freebooter. Ah, and what does that do? <laughs> Three in a red for a human pirate. Yeah. When it has about, enters the battlefield, create a colorless treasure artifact token with tap it, sacrifice it, add one mana of any color to your mana pool, and it's 3-3. Three, three. Cool. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's, again, like, I don't think it's anywhere near as good as Luminous Bonds, but <laughs> I think the uh, treasure tokens are pretty good. Yeah, sure. Like, I love the um, Sailor Memes deck. Yeah, Sailor of Memes is definitely a thing. Like that card is I great. I force that deck all the time. Yeah, like I that so that uh, PPTQ that I talked about in the podcast last week, mm-hmm. I ended up getting absolutely destroyed in the uh, top four of that by a blue black control deck that was running four copies of Sailor of Memes. Excellent. I've played yeah. five before. Nice. Like like if there's if there's a sailor memes in this pack I'm slamming it even if the rare is amazing. Nice. <laughs> but yeah, that was uh, that was constructed uh, as well. Constructed oh, really? deck running oh, four. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah. Oh, God, I thought that was limited. No, constructed. Okay. okay, I'm less I'm less into it in constructed, but sure. But yeah, I mean, it, yeah, uh, sure. The the scarab god helped a lot, but um, okay, yeah, that's a good card. Genuinely, like sailor means beatdown is uh, what got the win. Getting with its one force. Yeah, sure. Right, next card. Evolving wilds. Yeah, it's fine. Like sure. Um, I'd be happy to play it, but I'm yeah. very happy to play it, but I'm never going to pick it first, ever. Absolutely not. But it's fine, like, hopefully it wheels and you get some fixing. Yeah, for sure. Oh, we did it. Yeah. We did it. Sailor of Memes. Oh, there we go. There we yeah, go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you think it's better than Luminous Bonds? <clears throat> no. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely not. But I'm taking it because I'm terrible at draft. <sighs> I just love this card. Yeah, I mean, the deck is real, and I think sometimes, like, if you can just force them, then, like, yeah, sure, you can make it a thing. Yeah, so this card is actually called Seller of Means. Yes. <laughs> Two in a blue for a human pirate. When it enters the battlefield, create a treasure token, and it's a 1 4. Yeah. Yeah, this deck is really cool because you just take loads of these, uh, you ascend really quickly, so your ascend cards are good, like, like the Dust Charger. Yeah. And then it blocks for days because one fours are pretty good in this format. That's it. It just sounds sort of pretty underwhelming when you read the card mm-hmm. out, but it gets some work done. Like it really does. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm taking that. You're taking that over luminous bonds. Yeah, I yeah. Am, but the, I the think king is most certainly luminous bonds. Yeah, I think I'm still on the luminous bonds. Cool. So uncommons. Here we we have sea red. Yep. One in a red for an enchantment aura. Enchant creature, enchanted creature has plus two, plus one, and first strike. The beginning of your end step, if you didn't attack with this with a creature uh, this turn, sacrifice secret. Cool. Um, no. No. No, I don't think so. No, I think like I think it's it's I think it's it's playable, but yeah, I wouldn't want to first pick that. 
if I'm in aggressive red deck, I like it, but yeah, I'm not first picking it. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't like. I wouldn't first pick it myself, and I can't see. I can't see a lot of people taking that very highly in pack one as well. No, absolutely not. So I would. I mean, it's almost guaranteed a wheel, right? Yeah, I would thought so. Yeah, so if you do find yourself in a red deck early, then. Yeah, sure. It's probably going to come back. I mean, then again, this pack isn't particularly stacked so far. No. But... So it might not come back, but we never know. Yeah, true. True. So, next one. Oh, I forgot this card existed. <laughs> <laughs> Mausoleum Harpy. Mausoleum Harpy. Now, what does that do? It's <laughs> four and a black for yeah. a Harpy. It has flying and ascend. Yeah. And whenever another creature you control dies, if you have the City's Blessing, put a 1 1 counter on it. The 3 3. Okay. Yeah, I think I forgot that card existed as well. Um, seems fine. Like. Okay. Again, I I tend to overcommit to removal quite a bit in limited, so sure. I'm still taking the luminous bonds. Like yeah, absolutely. But it doesn't seem like a bad card, really. Like, it's got some sweet art. Yeah, like Ascend's fairly easy to get to. Yeah, especially if you're playing the Sailor Memes deck, like I definitely am. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so would you pick uh, Sailor Memes over Mausoleum Harpy? Yes, yes yeah. that's not even a question. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Ooh, next one's interesting. Yeah. Did Dio we get there? Oh, uh, we didn't get there. It's not the Chupacabra. It's not the Chupacabra, no. but this card's pretty good. Yeah, Neckbreaker. I like Neckbreaker. Uh, do you want to so, read out what so, that does? Yeah, two, a black and a red for an orc pirate. Yeah. Three, two, attacking pirates you control get plus two, plus O. Oh. Yeah. Um, the card is, is decent. Like, it's definitely playable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really happy that it's an orc. Like, I feel like... Yeah. I don't think we've actually had orcs in Magic the whole time we've been playing. Like Zergo, no, I think. That's actually true. Yeah, I think yeah. Zergo might be the only orc that I've seen in Magic. Oh yeah, yeah, he's an orc berserker. I think so. Maybe. Yeah, I yeah. Think yeah, I think one of them is an orc berserker, and I'm not sure what the bell ringer is. That bad. I <laughs> know oh, he's so much better than the original one. Like Zergo, Zergo Bell Striker was so much better than the air. Uh, the Mardi one. Sure, I mean, the other one was five mana for a 7-2? Yeah, but Zergo Bellstriker, like... One mana 2-2 for good, sure. Yeah, like, one mana 2-2, two, two, and you can you can dash him out as well, so he's a, he's a you know, a two mana 2-2 two, two with haste, essentially, which okay, yeah, is, like, good. absolutely fantastic if you've got um, Team of Battle <laughs> Rage and Become Immense in your hand as well. Mm-hmm. Like, that was a thing. Yeah, that's actually true. Yeah. But so Zergo... Yeah, um, it's not Zergo Bellstriker, I'll give it that. But <laughs> Correct. It's, uh, it's certainly playable, and like Pirate seems to be a deck. Yeah, absolutely. Like I've, I've seen a deck that has four of these in it. Yeah. That's really scary. That seems... Yeah, four of them seems if, like if ridiculous. If two in play, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, give all of your Pirates plus four, plus zero. Like, I mean, at that point, you're, you are just attacking. Like, you're the beatdown deck there, like... Yeah. yeah, I still think my, my pick is Luminous Bonds, because... Uh, yeah, I'm not taking a gold card first, I don't think. That's Unless it, I think that I think that's what sets it aside for me. Like, it, the yeah. card it, the card doesn't win the game, yep. so I, I wouldn't first pick it. Like, I, it would have to say, you know, play this card, you win the game, essentially, for me to first yep. pick a gold card, or it would sure. have to be a format where I know the, the fixing's going to be consistently there, or, mm. you know, it's a very good bomb, but... Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'll pass this along, and maybe someone will get it three three picks down and then I'll probably lose them in the final. <laughs> sure, I'll just lose to that exact card you Yeah, guys. probably. Right, on to the rare. Hey, here we go. It's blue. It's I'm blue. not sure that's a good thing. It's always a good thing. Oh, man. Nah. No? What we got? Release to the wind. Oh, uh, okay. Two and a blue for an instant. Exile target, non-land permanent. 
For as long as that card remains exiled, its owner may cast it without paying its mana cost. I mean, there may as well not just be a rare in this pack. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah. It's pretty bad. Uh, I don't, that's, I'm never playing that card, ever. No, um, even in a constructed format, like... Sure, maybe as a one-off in a commander deck or something, if you want to, like, <laughs> sure. blink a commander. I'd, yeah. Ah, I no. mean, we say this, but maybe some pro, like, a few months down the line will break this card and we'll all feel really silly. Yeah, probably. Give it six weeks' time and I'll what the deck will just be, like, four copies of this and then, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> like, Scar of Gods for days or something. <laughs> well, so, the pick seller of memes. Let's move on. I don't know, like luminous bonds. Lumin- yeah, Lumin- yeah. I'm, I'm going with luminous bonds, but I can I can see why you would pick Sailor Means. Like, yeah, because I'm bad at draft. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly that reason. <laughs> don't draft badly; you just draft differently. Yeah, let's go. Let's go with that. That still that still makes me sound respectable. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> so that's the cracker pack for this week. Mm-hmm. Do you have a card of the week this week? A card of the week. I do. Okay, what's your card of the, of the week? So, I do want to put... I'm not sure if anyone cares, but I do want to put a small spoiler warning on it. Yeah, we probably should. I feel like everybody, or the vast, the vast majority of people, will know by now. Uh, maybe not necessarily about the cards specifically that we're going to mention, but mm-hmm. that a vast majority of the Dominaria set has been released. There was a bit of an, an error or an accidental leak. Uh, not sure exactly what caused it but the was it the Chinese Wizards of the Coast team yeah, so uh, I think yeah accidentally happens. uploaded the set release notes for Dominaria early or the page went live early yeah so I think what happened was it was meant to be the release notes for Masters 25 yeah yeah, yeah so that would make sense yeah. the release notes is the Chinese website someone I don't know how this happens but someone clicked a wrong button or something yeah, put up the Dominaria, Dominaria release notes instead. Yeah, I guess it's it's the next set that's being released after Masters Twenty Five, so yeah. it could have literally just been they've clicked on the file below the one yeah, that was supposed to click on. Like, like... I, it's it's kind of a shame it happened, but yeah, I guess I guess that, you know it can happen because it did happen. You know, yeah. well, I think I think Wizards handled it well. Yeah, because it happened. People were sharing it all over the place. It was all over Reddit and Twitter. Yeah. And, people were like translating stuff and we sort of got they were poorly translated by google translate on the, for the most part we yeah got an idea of what's happening um but then i think what was it three hours later yeah about that it just gave us all the um the release notes in every language yeah which i'm i think that was the absolute best way to handle it to be honest um yeah there's no there's no way you can you can get around it you just have to say we've made a mistake well someone's made a mistake here's it because you're going to find out anyway yeah, for sure. I think, like, when it's happened in the past, so stuff like uh, when the image file for Kozilek was leaked, mm-hmm. they just didn't say anything about it. Which... Yeah, and then I had to do a whole... Because that was the first card released, well, seen with um, the Colorless Mana Symbol. Colorless Mana Symbol, yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, they were going to do, like, a whole big reveal, because it's a new, brand new thing, which yeah. really exciting. And then they just, like, sort of ignored it, as if everyone in the world hadn't seen it. Yeah, definitely, which I, I don't think was the best way to go about it, but no. I, th- I think... I think this time was was right. I think they did exactly the right thing. Here's yeah. here's the information which a lot of you have seen. Here it is, proper translations. So you know, we know the information's out there. We can't stop that. But at least you're going to get correct information now. Absolutely. And I do like that they did hint at and mention sort of a couple of interesting things that they have as well, sort of to go along with that. So. We haven't got any of the images of the cards yet, which are always 
something that's very important to me. Like I, I really do care about the the art of the cards, how the cards look. So, mm-hmm. although yeah, I might know most cards that are in the set, I still I'm I'm so excited to see the art. Uh, so that is that is something that does play a big part of it for me. Yeah, because I mean, um, we're not going to go into. I think each of our card of the week is a card from Dominaria. Yeah, sure. But we're not going to go into like the whole thing and score the whole thing because I mean I feel like other people will do that. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. The information is readily available. If you want, if you want to go and look at everything, it's not it's not the entire set. We've still got some surprises to come. Yeah, but for if sure. You look at it. You can you can find it. It's it's easy to find. I don't think it's a place to really talk about it because some people might not want to look at the spoilers. Some people because I, I certainly get really excited. Yeah. Uh, I do too. I think I might sort of do sort of spoiler episodes in the future when mm-hmm. we do have like a proper spoiler season and there are, you know, we can have like a proper whole week's worth of cards to talk about and then the next week we can talk about cards that were spoiled that week and, you know, that kind of thing. But yeah, we haven't seen the cards yet as far as like the card images go. And there are still a lot of cards in the set we do, that we don't know about. So I, yeah. saw, I saw an interesting discussion uh, earlier about the Kanzataka set notes. Uh, yeah. They don't mention the Fetchlands. Uh, they okay. don't mention Sea Drino. They don't mention Jeskai Ascendancy or something as well. Like there's, you okay. know, so there could still be some big surprises in the set that we just don't know about. So I'm quite excited to see the full set yeah. once it's released properly. Because, I mean, I think the thing with this is is it's like because i sort of treat spoiler season like kind of like christmas right because you get to see all these sweet new cards you get to look at something every day and find out all these really really cool things yeah for sure uh, with this leak it's kind of like you found the receipt for your christmas present <laughs> yeah that's, right? a, that's a really good way of putting it actually so yeah you can't see it in full because like, we haven't got the arts and the flavor text which i like i agree with you like they're completely they're really really important to me yeah but you know Sort of what it is, you know some of the cards, you know what's what's going on. Yeah, like, that's it. Like you know, I, I, I can't yeah. I can't play with my PlayStation, but I've seen how much it costs. You know. Like, yeah, uh, I know. Yeah, I know what's coming. Yeah. But yeah, so with all that out of the way, I guess I better move on to my card of the week. Yep. Which, which again, is, spoiler warning: it is in Dominaria. Yeah, it, is, it is in Dominaria, and it is Ladawa Elves. Yeah. Sweet. I'm very excited so, about this. So cool, especially because we've had. So we had. I can't remember where it was said. But apparently, one mana, mana accelerants are too good for standard. Yeah, I think it might have been on on Blogger Talk, which is um, Mark Rosewater's Tumblr blog page. Um, yeah. I think like if you you look at the way standard has gone over the past couple of years, then there's sort of quite the precedent set there that they wanted to move away from you know one mana like mana dorks as they are called, um, yeah. like Lanoir elves, Elvish Mystic, Birds of Paradise, that kind of thing. Yeah. Because they do sort of tend to, I don't know if I don't know if, if dominate the format is the right word, but they are certainly like when those cards are legal in a format, you go, well, I'm going to build a green deck. I'm going to yep. start by going four copies of Lanoir Elves. Yep, I'm very excited to do that because I mean that's what I do in modern. Yeah, for sure. Just love green decks, so I, I, I'm going to build a new modern deck, four copies of Noble Hierarch. <laughs> yeah. What next? <laughs> That's that's why I'm so, so excited about Lanner Elves because I mean I so the last time we saw a card like this is Elvish Mystic which is essentially the same thing yeah sure but they couldn't do it because Lanoir is a is a place on Dominaria yeah so, so I guess they could you know they could reprint it in a core set technically but yeah we got original Lanner Elves which is sort of the the original one mana mana elf yeah uh, I'm just I'm just very excited about because I think I think this is the point at which I decided Green was great because I mean the first one I played with was Elvish Mystic yeah yeah. 
uh, just this card is busted. <laughs> this card's unbelievable. Like, I play three drops on turn two, I play four drops on turn three. Like, it's just... Yeah, exactly. Like, I I was never really... I never played green ever. Like, uh, I mean, I guess I, I guess I technically did when I played Otaka Red. Like, I loved that deck, but you weren't sure. re- really playing a lot of green. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I've I've got memories of, of early standard um, just being, like, turn one Lana War Elves, turn two you play, like, Sylvan Carrot and then turn of three you just play i don't know it's like something massive like genesis hydra for like six or something something ridiculous like yeah like it just it leads to some ridiculous i mean i'm not sure if it's because obviously we don't know what standard's gonna be like with the release of dominaria yeah like we don't know exactly but you you do at least we know now that we have sort of the ground brace of like hey i can play a green deck i'm gonna show four animal elves in there and then I'm also going to shove four copies of Carnage Tyrant in there because that's pretty yeah, good. Because that's the best card in standard. Uh, it's not Scarab God, but it's, uh... it's it's also just not the best card in standard. But I mean, it's a massive green creature, so it's my kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, I do think that it will see a lot of play. Mm-hmm. You know, it might be not seeing the sort of play that it deserves currently. Like it's a six mana seven six. Like yeah. I can absolutely see sticking it inside boards against control matchups because it can't be countered oh, it has text proof like yeah great but once you've got those mana accelerants like there's no reason why you can't just jam it in your main board you know that you can play it like consistently you can play very early sort of bristol and hydras as well like mm-hmm. the decks just build themselves i think that's the exciting thing about cards like lanamore elves being back yeah i like i'm not sure about because obviously there's the, the red green monster stack at the moment yeah for sure i mean that with lanamore elves seems I'm not sure if it's good enough because the mana probably isn't there because we don't have a red green fast land. Yeah. The red green fixing is tap lands. Yeah. But going like turn one, Lanamore Elves into like turn two something, turn three, Rekindling Phoenix, turn four, Glory Bringer seems pretty terrifying. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, even like, you know, a turn three Chandra Torture Defiance, like. Oh boy. That's a, that's a card. Like. Seems really good. So things, things which we're going to be able to do, like. Obviously yeah, not exactly. not for too long, like as far as like Chandra and Glorybringer are concerned, because they will be rotating out uh, in a few yeah. months' time. But uh, I, I can definitely see Green making a big resurgence once uh, we have Dominaria released. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. So what is your card of the week? So my card of the week is also in Dominaria. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a card that has had, uh, I'd say, a lot of discussion. Sure. Uh, put it lightly. So um, <laughs> my card of the week is Damping Sphere. Ooh. So. What was that? It is a two mana, uh, two generic mana, and that is an artifact. Uh, and Damping Sphere says, if a land is tapped for two or more mana, it produces one colorless instead of any other type and amount. And it also says, each spell a player casts costs one mana more to cast for each other spell that player has cast this turn. So that seems really bad and standard. Yeah, um, <laughs> I can't imagine what decks that would be played against in standard. But <laughs> every other constructive format, this is Absolutely. like ah, the the card's great. So yeah, I play uh, Storm in Legacy. So I play Ad Nauseum Tendrils in Legacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I 100% can see a lot of decks bringing this into the sideboard. Yeah, definitely. This how how do you beat this card? Yeah, like I mean, yeah, the only way I'm beating this card is if I'm bringing in like. Abrupt decays from my sideboard. Do you do you own some bayous? Uh, not yet. No. Uh, that's, that's it. Like so, I I'm not playing Vorkalod at the moment. So I'm playing I'm playing Grixis. But when I first built Storm, I was playing with a Tropical Island in as well for the Abrupt Decay. But I think if we're going to be seeing a lot of damping spheres, which I assume we are, then 
I'm going to have to get a Bayou or two, I think, to go in there. True. And then in modern, it also completely hoses what what was going to be my deck of choice now that Lantern isn't really as good anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. And that would be Tron. Yep. Uh, so, obviously, the Tron lands, they tap for one uh, colorless mana by themselves. Yep. But if you have all three out, and the Tron lands are Urza's Mine, Urza's Power Plant, and Urza's Tower, they each tap for uh, two mana for the Mine and the Power Plant. And then the tower taps the three mana. And the deck yep. is very, very good at consistently having all three lands on turn three. So then you can just play a seven mana planeswalker on turn three. Yep, Khan's pretty good. Yeah, which you can't really do if your opponent has Damping Sphere out because rather than seven mana, they just make three mana. So to speak of Tron specifically, what yep. do they have to deal with a card like this? Again, I think it just solidifies that green and black Tron is probably going to be the best version to play. And mm-hmm. you just put Abrupt Decay on your sideboard. Especially you have Nature's Claim as well, because you don't particularly care about them gaining land. Yeah, you do. Yeah, Pretty absolutely. Good. But I think the fact that Abrupt Decay can't be countered is the uh, the answer to it. Yeah, sure. The deck also, sorry, the card also like completely hoses workshops and vintage. Like That's not a format I'm particularly concerned about. No. I imagine that is relevant. Yeah, same. It's not a format that I play currently, but mm-hmm. like shops is a difficult one because the... The deck is, it's very good, like, Mushra's Workshop is a great card. Yeah. Uh, they do make sort of changes to Vintage every now and then, and, like, the last last thing we saw was, like, a restric- uh, restriction of Monastery Mentor, I think. Yep. It's essentially, you had, the meta was pretty much, you play a Mentor deck, or you yep. play a Workshop's deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, Workshop's is that thing with the very fast mana acceleration as well. So Mushra's yeah. Workshop taps for three mana, uh, three colourless mana but you can only spend that mana on artifacts. What a terrible restriction. Yeah, it's your, yeah, when you've got things like you know, Walking Ballista, Hanging Back Walker, yeah. probably loads of other, other really good artifacts. So it's actually something interesting I've just thought of. Yeah. So in Vintage, that Wizards are trying to trying to slow down the chops deck, right? Yeah, for they, sure, yeah. They're restricted, they're restricted cards. But they still haven't restricted chops because they're really expensive. I think there's a financial, there is a financial consideration. Yeah, I, I think that's the thing. So when you get into older formats, you you have the reserve list coming to play, and again, like wizards aren't really allowed to acknowledge the secondary market, but at the sure. same time, they do have to sort of adhere to the spirit of the reserve list. Um, so for as far as a legal sort of perspective goes. Yeah. So I think. This might be a way to, instead of just, you know, restricting all of shop's cards to one-offs. Yeah, which arguably significantly devalues the card. Yeah, like, I think this this is a way to answer that without just making the shop's deck unplayable. Yeah, absolutely, I, I agree. Um, I think it's it's the perfect answer that, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just the perfect answer for it, I think, really. Like, you know, they can't, and I don't think they should, ban the card. They can't really restrict the card. You know, technically they can, but there would be a significant backlash amongst players. Definitely. And I don't know whether it would necessarily affect the price. But just the threat of that being there is sort of enough for them to go, well, you know, although we can consider doing this, that's not something we're going to touch because that's not an area we want to get into. Yeah. Instead, hey, why don't we just print a new card that is a bit of a silver bullet to that deck? Yeah, I mean, and it interacts with, like, you know, Vintage Storm is a thing. Yeah, for sure, yeah. It's not stops. I mean, it's... it's... Yeah, even, like, you're paying, like, Black Black Lotus and Mox, you know, and like, it does... I think it's probably going to see quite a lot of play in Vintage, to be honest. Yeah, like, it does seem very, very... I mean, you can cast it on turn one, and I feel like if you cast it on turn in Vintage, your shops and Storm opponents just... They have to scoop up, right? Yeah, I think so, yeah. There's no way they're beating this card on turn one. So, I I think that although this card 
is going to cause a lot of problems for me personally as a player, as far as my deck of choices go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that cards like this are absolutely vital for the health of the game. Sure. Going back to our discussion last week about Jace the Mind Sculptor, uh, one of my biggest fears with Jace was that we'll see the decks like Tron, the decks like Storm, sort of take over modern because they want to race Jace, they want to get out and they want to finish the game faster than their opponent can resolve a Jace. Yeah. Uh, whereas this is a really fair way to stop that from happening. I think it's great. Yeah, it's really, really good. So now that card of the week is over, uh, let's look at the rest of the week of Magic. Uh, what have you been up to this week as far as Magic goes? Pretty much nothing. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, I made FNM, which is where I won my sweet Robbers of Ixlam booster. Yeah. And what format was that? It was modern. Hey, what did you play? Uh, I so, so I've been really excited about playing some kind of Jace deck for a while. Yeah, definitely. And... Uh, I've been. I spent. I spent the week sort of tinkering with a band company list. Okay. And I was pretty settled on some kind of devoted druid deck. Yeah. Playing chords, companies, and jaces. Yeah. And it felt pretty sweet. I was goldfishing it quite a bit. It felt. It felt really powerful. Um. So then, I sort of had to rush to F and M because of work. And it turns out I forgot to pack my modern deck. Uh oh. So I got there about half an hour before it was meant to start. I was like, oh man, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I really yeah. want to play modern. Didn't have my stat. Well, I had like part of my standard deck, but I had to take that apart for cards for other decks. So yeah. I didn't I didn't have any sort of proper constructed deck on me. I was asking about, like, has anyone got a modern deck? Has anyone got a modern deck? And then um, my friend John Daniel said, here, have some binders, build whatever you want. Awesome. Yeah. Um, Were they particularly interesting binders, or was it just sort of draft chart? <laughs> yeah, they're absurd. Um, I, yeah, I do want to give a shout out to John for having the most ridiculous magic collection of any 20 year old I've ever met. Awesome. Um, so open the folder, like, pretty much can build anything in modern. Okay, sweet. That I want to build. And I thought, oh, you know what? I haven't given Death Shadow a good enough chance. Yeah. A Traverse Shadow deck. Yeah, so it seems good. Like, I think Death Shadow is one of the best decks in modern at the moment. Like, yeah, undeni- it's, it's undeniably, like, like, it's great. Yeah, so I pulled out, you know, pretty much the ins- I think I pulled out 73 of the 75 cards I needed. Had to like two, like a Traverse the Open World and a Manamorphose or something. Because <laughs> <laughs> he had every other card. Yeah. Most of which were foil. Wow. His, co- his collection's ridiculous. So I, I built that deck, so four colours. So it's base, black, then it's playing some Tarmogoyfs, and the blue is for Stubborn Denial, and the red is for a copy of Team of Battle Rage. Um, and it just felt very very powerful the entire time I was playing it so, I, like I, I said, do really like that deck a lot like it's, it's not something that I'm playing currently and it's not really something that I've considered playing but mm-hmm. it, it's great it is a very powerful deck yeah like it's I mean I went 2-2 yeah sure I lost to Affinity yeah which, which happens. just happens like, yeah. yeah it just happens like sometimes they just dump their hand on turn 2 and there's nothing yeah. you can do about it um, and I lost to uh, Mono Green Goblin Charbelcher. In modern? Yep. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. So it's playing, like, that deck's playing, so it's playing six forests and a stomping ground. Yeah. Uh, you play cards like Lay of the Land, Sakura Tribe Elder, like, Traverse the Wall, just to literally find basic lands from your deck. Yeah. And then um, activate Goblin Charbelcher, find your mountain, and kill your opponent. Wow. I assume it's obviously quite similar to the, the Legacy Belcher deck, but you, you don't have access to some of the cards in there, like... Like Lion's Eye Diamond and yeah, uh, like yeah, like Elvish Spirit Guide or yeah, and it's playing um, Liege of the Tangle. Okay, well, what does that do? It's oh, I'm actually gonna look it up. Yeah, so I know the exact wording. Liege of the Tangle. So Liege of the Tangle is <laughs> six and two green. Yeah. Uh, no, this is not the right card. 
Uh-oh. No, what's the card called? It's the one with... It's part of the cycle. Is it uh, Chancellor of the Tangle? Chancellor of the Tangle. Of course, that's why I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chancellor of the Tangle is four and three green. Yeah. Um, for a six, seven. Yeah. With Vigilance and Reach. Yeah. And you may re- reveal the card from your opening hand. And if you do, at the beginning of your first main phase, add green to your mana pool. Yeah, seems good. So that, that exists... To so you don't have to have a land in your opening hand. Yeah. Uh, you get to play less lands in the deck. But yeah. turns out if a game goes long enough, your opponent can just cast that, and a six seven with vigilance and reach is pretty good at stalling the board. Yeah, I, I can imagine. Like, I do re- really like that. Uh, that chancellor chancellor cycle is pretty interesting. Like yeah. I always thought, um, there's a format on Magic Online called Freeform, which was just like there's no limits as far as deck building goes. Like you can have okay. any number. You have any number of any card in there, and so obviously the, the the best deck in that format is just forty copies of Chancellor of the Dross. <laughs> you reveal all self, seven of them from your opening hand and do twenty one damage to your opponent before the first upkeep. <laughs> that's amazing. It's great. It's so good. <laughs> so that's a it's a bit of a fixed format. That one is a bit of a solved one. <laughs> just Chancellor of the Dross. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean that's. I, I have an interesting story about my Affinity match, but I guess I'll stay with that for the end step. Okay, that's sure. much the only magic I've played this week. Okay. But I hear that you played a lot more. So, yeah, I guess um, the big thing that I was looking forward to this week was Pauper. So there's been a massive resurgence of Pauper uh, popularity. Like, I think... Definitely. A lot of that has to do with uh, Tolarian Community College. Um, the, yeah, the professor, the professor, professor's great. Like I absolutely love his content. I love his passion. Uh, he's one of my favorite content creators, like hands down. Like the guy's great. I think he's the reason I'm so invested in magic, to be honest. Yeah, he's up there for me, definitely. He's, he's one of the sort of first sort of like figureheads of the game that really sort of got me interested in more than just the sort of you play the cards sort of side of it. Yeah. So yeah, obviously he's been really pushing for Pauper. Um, he mm-hmm. did a bit of a thing with uh, Channel Fireball, and they started running Pauper events at their GPs. Uh, so we had quite a few of our local players who attended GP London. They did a big uh, Pauper side event there, which I think was actually the biggest Pauper tournament in the world at this point. Wow! Okay. I think yeah, I think they broke the record for the most number of players registered in a pauper event that's amazing yeah a lot of them played in that so they've got decks and they really enjoyed it and they were like hey like pauper was great there does anyone want to do a pauper event sometime so got my to hat on and thought hey let's, let's throw something together if people want to play it let's provide them with an event so sorted out a pauper tournament been doing a bit of promo and unfortunately i did sort of have it on at the same time as uh, gp madrid so some of those players couldn't make it because they were over at the gp okay uh, but we managed to get an attendance of 18 which I'm, I'm fairly happy with for the first time i've run a pauper event considering the last time i tried about two years ago and nobody turned up <laughs> oh, uh, so yeah, no, it was good. We had like I think there were like technically eight different decks in the top eight, although two were quite similar. I managed to come third playing like Mono Blue Delver, which was great. Like I'm not a big fan of playing Delver decks in Legacy, so yeah. I pl- played Grixis Delver for a bit, and like the deck's great, like absolutely fantastic. You can mm-hmm. fully understand why it puts up the results it does, but yeah. it's just a bit too fair for me. I think like. Sure, okay. Like, I think if I want to, if I'm playing powerful formats like Legacy, I just want to be doing some ridiculous things. Like, you know, I want to combo off and turn two and deal 20 damage with tendrils. Like, I mean, yeah, the constructed decks I know you play are Storm and Legacy, yep. Tron and Lantern. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like, Delver's a bit, a bit, yeah, a bit too fair for you. Yeah, it's it's that. Like, the deck's great, but it's it's not for me. Mm-hmm. So, I, I did have a slight apprehension about playing it in Pauper. Although, okay. although it's like, strangely, like, Delver of Secrets is quite possibly my favourite magic card. Okay. I haven't played with 
the card in modern, and I don't really enjoy playing with it in legacy. But from pure card design aspect, oh, like, it's sweet. It's really I think cool. I think it's perfect. I think that's something I'd quite like to talk about in a future episode as well, as far as like you know what our favorite cards are and what card designs we like. But well, you we know, can just do an hour and a half episode on Delver Secrets. Oh, uh, I, I could yeah, I could talk for like a week about <laughs> how Delver is perfect. <laughs> but yeah, you know, so I played the deck. Uh, I think my favorite turn was. They were casting, I think they were casting just like a lightning bolt on my Delver, like just, you know, something fine like that. Mm -hmm. So with, yeah, three mana, I got three islands up. I go, all right, I'll brainstorm. Mm -hmm. Brainstormed into a counterspell and a gush. (laughs) So I used the other two islands to pay for the counterspell to counter the lightning bolt and then Mm -hmm. returned those two islands to my hand to draw two cards of gush. Oh God, it's so stupid. It's like, it's ridiculous. Like, yeah, you can just do so many things and then... I had a daze in my hand as well. That was one of the cards that I drew from the gush, so <laughs> I could still counter a spell if need if need be. Like <laughs> it, yeah, it it does all of the silly things that I kind of want to do in a mono blue Delver deck. So I was very happy playing that deck. Magic um, is intended. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, I had a lot of fun. Pop is great. It definitely feels like I've seen it being described as sort of. Uh, I know a lot of people sort of refer to it as like legacy light, and yeah, absolutely, it kind of does feel like that in a lot of ways. Um, maybe like uh, I don't play vintage, but maybe even vintage light as far as like a pure power level comparison goes. I mean, you get to play four copies of Gush, right? Yeah, you don't get to do that in any other format. <laughs> really stupid. Yeah, <laughs> so it kind of is like the bulk of the cards, like as far as like most of the creatures and some of the spells go, are really sort of powered down as you mm. would expect from the commons, but then. Yeah you do get a lot of ridiculous things as well. Like, you get to play four copies of Gush. Yep. Like, you get Ponder and Preordain, which are both banned and modern. Like, mm-hmm. just jam four copies of those. You get Brainstorm, which is what Jace the Mind Sculptor does in modern, essentially. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, you yeah. access to a lot of absurdly powerful cards. Absolutely, yeah. I, I mean, not just in blue, but you know, primarily in blue. I, I enjoyed it. I had a great time. Uh, I'm definitely, definitely looking forward to doing it again. We're probably going to start running um, Pauper as an FNM as well. Oh, sweet. So I, th- I think it's something that will just sort of snowball and, you know, maybe we'll see a whole Pauper GP one day. Oh, hopefully. Like, because, I mean, like I've said, it's, it's in absurdly powerful format. Yeah. And I currently own three Pauper decks. Yeah. But while while you're casting Brainstorms into counter spells, into Gushes, into Dazers, I'm just resolving Molgraf Scavengers. Yeah, sure. <laughs> which, <laughs> one which... in green, yeah. one in 04. Yeah. Um, if you have Delirium, it gets plus three plus O. Awesome. Common printing of Tarmogoyf. <laughs> yeah. No, it's great. It's great. It's absolutely fantastic. So it's it's really good. <laughs> uh, one of the players turned up with a, a blue red sort of is it Blitz deck that they'd they brewed themselves a bit. Um, Sweet. And one of the best cards in that deck was almost our first pick from last week, Firebrand Archer. Oh really? Yeah. So it was like four copies of Firebrand Archer, four mm. copies of Thermo Alchemist. And then just a bunch of burn spells and card draw. That sounds great. So you could just do silly things. Like, there was at one point I went over and after I finished my game, I was watching that player was still playing uh, one of their games. And they had two Firebrand Archers out, uh, two Thermal Alchemists. And then from the cards in their hand, they like they had 19 points of damage. Like, <laughs> it was just like casting, like, tapping all your, you know, tapping your Thermal Alchemists, casting a Lightning Bolt, triggering the Firebrand Archers, untapping your Thermal Alchemists, tapping them again, you know, brainstorming, casting another Lightning Bolt. Like, that's disgusting. It was absurd, and I think that's kind of a deck that I might play next time, but yeah, it was yeah, a lot of fun. Uh, I really do like that the format seems to appeal to both sort of casual players and really competitive players, Yeah, because definitely. you get the, the cost to buy into the format is very cheap. Like It's creeping up a bit. It is creeping up a bit, but 
if you compare it to a standard deck even like oh yeah absolutely like i'm sure like challenger decks will see the price of standard decks coming down but mm-hmm. hopefully my complete deck cost me 60 euros from 100 card market yeah that's that's really good like i, I couldn't buy a standard deck that i would top three a tournament with for that price so you know it's great. It appears to the casual, more casual players because you don't have to spend you know a hundred pound, two hundred pound, three hundred pound mm-hmm. on an amazing tier one deck. Yeah. But then it also really appeals to the competitive players because you get to do things like brainstorming into a counter spell and then drawing two cards from Gush. Like <laughs> so sweet. It's oh, it's great. So I enjoyed that. Uh, but yeah, aside from that, I've been playing Legacy Cube pretty much nonstop. Yep. <laughs> just just back to back in like when I can like. Wake up, cube, have a shower, and then <laughs> I'll draft, like, after I have a shower, and then I'll come back and play the rounds of the draft, like, after I've finished work. Like, that's that's the mindset I'm in. Like, if cube's up, that's what I want to be playing. That's like, a pretty good way to live. Although I, I do love constructive magic, I think cube might be my favourite format of magic. So much you can do with cube, and like, I don't think there's a single cube I wouldn't want to play. Like, it's great. Uh, I disagree. Legendary cube. Uh, I'd still rather play legendary cube than any other cube. Like I like. No. I I would I would play mono green cube like hands down. Oh yeah, that's fine. But I mean, like specifically the legendary cube on Magic Online. Yeah, it was. It's the worst cube they've put up on Magic Online probably. Mm-hmm. But you got some prize packs out of it, which was cool. Oh, that's uh, true. Yeah. You don't sure. get you don't get from the other cubes. Um and. Again, I'd still rather that than no cube. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I've been having like decent amount of success. I think like uh, I've managed to. I think I've managed to run about twelve cubes. Yeah, I've done about twelve leagues um, so far, and that's from my initial ten ticks. Wow, that's really good. So I've yet to three o one, but I've been going two one in every single one. Um, the most impressive one, like I'm totally. I'm not usually one to sort of like you know blow my own horn as it as it would be, but uh, <laughs> I managed to beat one of my favourite Magic players. That is uh, Kenji or Numat the Nummy. Uh, Kenji Igashiro. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, so just joined a joined a Legacy Cube. My pack one was like fairly weak. Like it was something that I wasn't really excited about opening. I can't remember exactly what was in there, but I ended up taking Ancient Tomb being my my pack one pick one, mm-hmm. which I think is like it's fine. Like probably most decks want to run an Ancient tomb but it's yeah. nothing exciting uh so the deck didn't really go as sort of well as i wanted it to in the draft portion uh ended up being mono red which okay. like it's it's mono red is fine like when vintage cubes up like i'll just jam mono red every other mm-hmm. uh, every other league because i find it's as far as vintage cube goes or at least the last sort of incarnation of vintage cube it's been very easy just to 3-0, going mono-red. Yep. So you, you mono-red, go 3-0, build up your play points, and then jump into another queue and draft whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I ended up in mono-red this Legacy Cube this time. Um, won the first round, like, fairly easily. Um, I think my opponent was just on some, like, blue-white, like, fair stuff. Like, it was a bit of a control deck, but... Mm-hmm. It was nothing broken, so I just completely outraced them. Yep. So you know that was fine. That was ex- expected. Uh, and then uh, round two, I get paired, and I see, oh, no, what the nummy? So uh, yeah, that's that's a name I recognise. Uh, so remember yeah, you messaging me about being paired against him? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so I've played against Kenji on stream 
uh, once. Yeah, I started playing against Kanji once before uh, while he was streaming. Uh, it was back in, uh, I think it was Oath of the Gatewatch had just come out. Uh, we were doing an Oath of the Gatewatch draft. Okay. Uh, I remember wondering if he was streaming at the time, so I totally ghosted his stream and like opened it up <laughs> another window. <laughs> yeah, so I was watching him play while playing against him and he absolutely destroyed me 2-0. Yep. While he was double queuing. <laughs> So that was, it wasn't great, but I, I was very excited obviously, to play against him back then, and mm-hmm. I assumed exactly the same thing was just going to happen this time, like, oh, here's Kenji, here, I'm going to get destroyed, uh, but uh, we had a really good game one, like, I was fairly certain he was going to stabilise on one life and then just totally swing the game back, which he almost did, but again, it was a lucky sort of top decker burn spell, he didn't have an answer, amazing, get the job done, and then round two, I'm like, oh, well, you know, game two, um, you know, getting excited i just beat him bit of an advantage there he's a very good magic player though so absolutely you know, like a limited expert as well yeah like i was fully expecting just to go one two there mm-hmm. so game two begins uh, he plays a forest passes to me I play a mountain i play a goblin guide i get in for two pass the turn he doesn't play anything and passes the turn i'm like oh no <laughs> is he stuck on land so i play a mountain and then i think i hit him with a goblin guide again and then just just like a lightning bolt or something so okay okay pass it to him uh he plays a land and then passes and doesn't play anything mm-hmm. so i'm like okay he's he's only got two forests hasn't played anything maybe maybe i'll get there i mean he's probably just gonna like slam a bunch of creatures next turn and then that's it he's gonna win mm-hmm. uh yeah no so it was a, it was a stormcrack noble that i played past the turn and then uh, it's his turn four he plays a fertile ground yeah, he plays a fertile ground on his forest. The enchantment. That the enchantment adds, that, yeah, you, you adds adds mana when you tap that land. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he plays that and then passes the turn. So I'm like, oh, he's completely stuck on land. Uh, I top deck an avalanche riders. <laughs> <laughs> Blow up his land with the fertile ground on, and he concedes on the spot and uh, beat Kenji two 0 <laughs> That's so good. I feel like I've told that story in a really bad way, but I was just, I was so excited. It was oh, yeah, it's great. <laughs> Because I got a, I got a message from you. You sent me a message, which is just you taking a photo of the Modo screen. Yeah. It's a really blurry photo. But you can just see Newmont <laughs> and just the F word underneath. <laughs> and then about 10 minutes later, it's a screenshot of uh, saying Joe, Joe Loudon wins the match. And then just the F word again. <laughs> Yeah, just too hard, Kenji. Uh, pretty much describes my uh, my feelings at the time. Like, <laughs> went into I just the found it really funny when you sent me that. Yeah, <laughs> went into the round thinking, oh, I'm going to get absolutely obliterated, and then uh, the complete opposite happened. So, yeah, shout out to Kenji because that was great fun. Um, maybe we'll you know meet each other again in the cube leagues, and we'll uh, we'll see if we can find out who was the the better cube player. Given that we are one one currently, I think you might want to get revenge for Avalanche Riders. Your own, one of your only forests with a first half round. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, yeah, really, there's no doubt that Kenji is a way better limited player and a way better Magic player than I am. But I'm happy with that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I've done in Magic this week. Um, shall we move on to what the deck? Yeah, I've got a good one. Cool. So first of all, I think I'd like to. So preface this a bit. So you know, thank you to everybody who did listen to last week's episode. I'm like totally mind blowing that so many people sort of listened to it, and I've I've had some really good feedback from it. And one of the things that I uh, I got feedback for was was what the deck. I know a couple of people I've spoken to they really enjoyed the segment, but uh, one or two sort of thought that they didn't they didn't quite 
get it. They thought, like, are we just pulling up, like, a list that we've seen and are we being a bit mean to it or, you know. So I kind of want to preface it by saying, like, what the deck isn't meant to be, like, mean-spirited at all. Like, we're absolutely, like, 100% approve of, like, people brewing decks. And it's more of sort of a case of, like, at least I hope it's a case of sort of laughing with the deck rather than at the deck. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, <clears throat> it's just sort of, we go into the, I mean, modern less so at the moment, but we, we go into these formats thinking, you know, these are the established archetypes. Yeah, absolutely. We, we see some innovation, but we want it, like... Um, we know sort of what the deck's going to be like and then we find something like like the mono black deck from last week which is like what what is this person doing yeah yeah exactly these are, these are cards that don't get played that maybe people think shouldn't get played but this person's doing it and doing well and that was sort of what I wanted to highlight yeah exactly like yeah I, I can totally understand why somebody might think that it is a little mean spirited but I, I really don't want it to sort of come across that way at all like full on like the majority of the people playing these decks are really good magic players like yeah. far better than ourselves and a lot of them seem like very strange decks to look at but are probably just brilliant medicals yeah I mean that is true of this week's one yeah so what have you got for me this week it's it came fifth place at the magic online world championships yeah uh, yeah the mox was was there last weekend yeah it's uh i mean maybe we'll, we'll just briefly mention what happened at the mox after this yeah uh, i think that's something that uh given a little bit of our talk last week we probably do need to highlight the uh, the winner of the mox oh, oh yeah oh yeah but before that <laughs> fifth place deck was bank control yep by oh man uh guillem matignon guillem i think Mag- it, yeah i think guillem it's it's a difficult name to pronounce, so I apologise yeah. if we are getting wrong. I yeah, apologise to Queen. Yeah, like I mean, you're never gonna hear this probably, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> fully, just fully, yeah, just in case, you know, uh, I I think Queen's an absolutely fantastic magic player. Uh, one yeah. of my one of my favourite favourite players currently. He played some sort of very interesting decks during the past couple of Pro Tours he's been on. Yeah, this deck is nuts. <laughs> cool. So do you want to so, run through the deck? Yeah. So it is four Secure Tribe Elders. Yep. So we're two some snap- sort of like Valakut build, yeah. No, two Snapcaster Mages. Okay, can okay. we team a Valakut? Yeah, sure. Two Corsair Prefix. Mm-hmm. Two Nissa Vaswood Seer. Okay. Uh, one Emrakul the Promised End. Now we're talking. The 13-man one. Yep. Uh, four Jace the Mind Sculptor. Yep. Four Path. Yep. Four Seer of Visions. Two Explores. Okay. Two Romans. Yep. One Bant Charm, which is a in, pet card of mine. Yeah, in the main board. Cool. Yeah. Um, one Sphinx's Revelation. Yeah, three great card. Commands, yeah. One Supreme Verdict and one Wrath of God. Yeah. Three Time Warps. Oh, okay, sweet. Uh, a Search for Ours Counter. Yeah, great card. The lands aren't particularly interesting. It's playing a single Celestial Colonnade. Yeah. Two Field of Ruins. Yeah. Two Flooded Groves. I okay. think the interesting lands there. Yeah, playing the lands. They're getting a reprint in Masters 25. They are, so hopefully they'll be cheaper soon. Yeah. And a Prairie Stream, yeah. one of the other Zendikar. Um, what, what was that cycle called? Just the Battlelands? Uh, Battlelands, Tangolands, you know. Sure, Tangolands, yeah. that was my favourite one. Yeah, I like Tangolands, because it takes two to tango. Oh no, I like Santalands. Oh, I don't think I heard that one. Because you're checking it twice. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's really good. <laughs> it's. I enjoyed it at the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this deck is just... It's, so it's sort of like a, a blue-white control shell. Yeah, for sure. Playing cryptics, yep. um, paths. Chase the Mind Sculptor. Yeah, just all this sweet stuff. And then you're playing like Sakura Tribal there. Yeah. And Corsair Proof, because the, the Corsair Proof fix Chase the Mind Sculptor interaction is value. Yeah, definitely. And it just it just seems such a weird list that like I haven't seen this kind of thing before because I've been looking for band decks. Yeah. And it's, I like... It's a color combination I really like. I want to play green creatures and Jason the Mind Sculptor. Yeah, for sure. But this seems 
so strange to me. Yeah, I'm just looking at the sideboard as well. There's like mm. there's twelve different cards in the sideboard. Yeah, like porphyry nodes. Oh, porphyry nodes is great. So, porphyry nodes I know basically from Legacy uh, as a budget drop of honey. Okay. Because it's it doesn't cost four hundred dollars. <laughs> And sure. it does the same thing, but in white. Seems great. Yeah. Yeah, this, this deck is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, it came fifth, um, and I feel like I... F- so this is... I think I heard him talk about it and saying that Sakura Tribal is just great in a blue-white control deck. Yeah. And it seems like a great a great call for, for the mocks, because Jund was everywhere. Yeah. How many lists do we have? One, two, three, four, five... Six, seven copies of Jund in a 23-person tournament? Yeah, it's taken up a vast majority of the field there, definitely. Yeah, And you see, like, the most popular card in that tournament was Lightning Bolt by a considerable amount. Like, played in, um... like, 74% of decks. And then the second most popular was Bloodbraid Elf, played in 40% of decks, so... But, I mean, that whole top cards thing, if you go in the MTG Goldfish... Yeah. The whole... all ten top cards... Jund. Yeah, they are, yeah. Bolt, Libre, Goyf, Lily, Inquisition, Thoughtseize, Bob, Colligan's Command, Brutality, Bob yeah. Damage. <laughs> I think it's, that's the thing as well, like, Corsair of Griffith seems great in, like, a field where 75% of the cards are Lightning Bolt, because it doesn't yeah. die to Lightning Bolt. Yeah. It's a 2-4. Yeah, absolutely. It's a Kuro Tri-Builder. Just, you get a block in on the Bloodbraid Elf, yeah. and you get ramp yourself. Yeah. And then you're just doing this nonsense where you're casting Time Warps. Yeah, <laughs> Time Warps a card that I... Played with a lot this week in Legacy Cube. Yeah, it's sweet. It's like uh, time walk, but more expensive. Yeah, it's it's bad. It's powerless, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but yeah, I just thought this deck was really sweet. I mean, I, I don't know what the Emrakul's in here for. I guess the Emrakul is like the win con, maybe. Like, if maybe if you're expecting a lot of like Jund, you're thinking like I'm gonna mind slave you and then bolt you, like. Sure. Like yeah, I'm I'm not sure exactly like whether it's just sort of like a like a value deck getting the beatdowns in where it can. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess. In or the is it like just you know protect Jace and then Jace ultimate? I mean, yeah, probably. I mean, it seems like you go. I mean, if you get to the super late game, you go Emrakul into Time Warp. I feel like you just you just straight up win that game immediately. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. It seems really sweet. Yeah. Yeah, but I like it a lot. My, that's my what the deck for this week. Okay, so. Stop. Quite as ridiculous as last week. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, no, definitely. It's... But I think it is It is one of those, like, unusual decks. Like, if you look at the rest of the field where, you know, it's yeah. Jund, it's Mardu Pyromancer, it's Zoo, it's, you know, Blue-Red Control. Yeah, it's all these decks we've pretty much seen before. All yeah. But the winner of the tournament... Yeah, uh, the winner of this tournament. Uh, so I didn't actually watch a lot of the mocks, but I, no. I watched the whole of the final. Um, mm-hmm. But... Two reasons. Where one, because I'm a I'm a big fan of Steve Rubin. I think Steve Rubin's a really good Magic player. Yeah, definitely. So I, I do like to watch a lot of his games. Um, he was on Jund, um, obviously a very popular choice. Seemed like a good mm-hmm. medical. Yeah. And then his p- opponent, uh, Dmitry Budakov. Uh, I hope again. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Probably I'm not. Apologies, Dmitry. I think that's right. That yeah. sounds about right. Uh, was playing what is listed as green white hexproof, but mm-hmm. it's boggles. Boggles. Yeah, Boggles won the mocks. I think you have some apologising to do after last week. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, <laughs> uh, so yeah, last week I kind of jokingly went, "Hey, you know, maybe, maybe Boggles is just the meta call, and it's it's time, it's Boggle time." But maybe it is actually Boggle time. Like, it's a uh, it's slippery Boggles world, and we're all just living in it. One hundred percent. Like, <laughs> yeah, like fair enough. The meta game of the mocks is going to be very different to the meta game of a GP. Yeah, but 
I think like I've been thinking about it a lot this week since it won and been doing a lot more sort of research into I guess into modern in general really sure and I think I, I'm probably just gonna make a formal apology to Boggles and all the Boggles players out there and say hey like your deck is real <laughs> yeah absolutely I think like, like maybe I'd take it to a GP uh, I absolutely wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not, I, not mean playing... I, I would play London for 15 rounds of a GP, so... Yeah, that's... I mean, I'm not... That's that's your call. <laughs> I'm not playing... Like, I don't want to play linear nonsense for 15 rounds in a row. Yeah. But, I mean, so I'm not sure this is, like, you know, this is the best deck in the format. We have to all be worried about boggles. But oh, yeah, think, no, of course not. I think... I mean, it's, it's a real deck. It's the sort of deck where, you know, you know someone who plays it, you know the boggles player at your uh, LGS or whatever. Yeah, there's, um, there's always one. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's a it, it is a respectable deck. You ha, you have to respect it. I think at yeah. the moment. I don't think you need to devote too many sideboard slots to it, or you know, worry. Oh man, what's my boggle matchup like? Yeah, for sure. But for this twenty-three person tournament, where you know there are seven Jun decks, yeah. I think this was an outstanding choice. Yeah, especially like even if you do think about the sort of bigger modern meta game as a whole and. Mm-hmm. That issue that I was talking about of Jason Mind Sculptor, like my worry being that we see a lot of faster decks, a lot of you know, a lot of Storm, a lot of Tron. Yeah. Like it plays like four copies of A9 Sanctity main board, so yeah. like how does Storm beat that? Like yeah. uh, the all of the creatures are hexproof, like yeah, obviously like you've you know, you have things like like all this dust in your sideboard and I guess like Wormcall Engine and mm-hmm. you know, for sure the there are ways to beat it, but it might not be too bad against Tron, but then also the other thing as well, like it, it can't be targeted by Jason Mind Sculptor, like you can't lightning bolt it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like most of the cards in the gym deck, like because of the, the four copies of Land of Sanctity, which I'm pretty sure is stock at this point since it won. Yeah, I would assume so. Just from like the amount of storm that's going around as well, like it's probably right just to play for Lane. Yeah, and like in this in this this match specifically where there's so much jund, just like their thought season inquisitions do nothing, their bolts do nothing. Yeah. It's just, it's, yeah, it's, it's sweet. And I'm glad you finally apologised. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, I'm not going to rush out and buy the pieces that I'm missing to build the deck. But a bit of thinking about it, and I certainly do respect the deck a lot more than I did last week. I'll give it sure. That. I think I think that's all we can ask for. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so yeah, I think it's that time. Uh, do you have an end step story for this week? I do. So it's um, it comes from from the FNM where I played Four Colour Traverse Shadow. Okay. So it's against my my affinity opponent, yeah. uh, who has, I believe, crushed me game one. Yeah, it just happens. It, it, it does, they <laughs> just have to draw it. Game two, um, we're sort of trading resources, they have quite a slow start, Yeah. Um, and it just gets to a point where my opponent's on 12, and I'm on 9, uh, and I have a Death Shadow in play, Yeah. and they have a single Signal Pest. Okay. So I cast... Dismember, paying yep. the full four life, targeting their signal pest. Sure. They go to pick it up and put it in the graveyard and go, well, on the stack. Yep. <laughs> Pass this other dismember, targeting the same signal pest. Okay, yeah. And to be sure. full four life. Yeah. Go to one. Yeah. My death shadows are 12 12. Yeah. Attack you for 12. <laughs> sweet. It just felt sweet. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the thing. Like, death shadow is. It's one of those decks that, like, sometimes, sometimes it just gets there very easily, like that. Like, yeah, I've, like, I've seen. It's not a deck I'd really considered playing before. Yeah, for sure. But I just thought, oh, I'll pick it up because it sounds like something fun to play, and it just, it just feels so inherently powerful. And like, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a deck that I, I do respect quite a lot. Like, yeah. Again, it feels like that the card itself, Death Shadow, is it's one of those cards that, like some of the other decks and the other cards that I like, like it's it's just screaming to be broken. Mm-hmm. And while I don't necessarily think that Death Shadow is broken, 
it's certainly very powerful. Absolutely. And I mean, just double dismember your zero one, go to one life, hit you for exactly lethal feels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> feels yeah, good. Feels definitely. Good. Yeah, I've seen people do things like like thought teasing themselves and you know yeah. I'm just gonna like bolt myself. Yeah. There's so many interesting interactions that you only get in that deck that you wouldn't sort of ever really consider playing any other deck. Yeah, I think I, I've seen I've seen a game before where um someone's playing a, a death shadow and the I can't I can't remember the exact specifics of it, but there's a point at which you cast a lightning bolt and it doesn't matter who it targets because of the death shadow. Yeah. So the, the death shadow is three points off killing killing the other opponent, and then go cast a bolt. It doesn't matter if I target myself or you. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Sweet. Did you have anything else um, to talk about at the end step, or was that mainly your Kenji story? That I think, you got yeah, mate. Like? I can't top my Kenji story to be honest. So I'm gonna kind of cheat a bit yeah. and say, hey, you know, that's that's my two for one myself. That's my end step story this week. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I guess that's it. Uh, once again, we approach the the second hour. Uh, the God Pharaoh has <laughs> returned, so it's time to say goodbye for another week of Hour of Devastation. 